0: If you win real big, they might even try to give you a hotel night stay. And the reason they do that is because they know that you are going to try to repeat that. Right. Hey, I'm Chris Lamb. This is the Money Hole Podcast. Don't forget to like, subscribe, download, and leave us a comment. Today I'm actually being interviewed myself from my
1: friend Fab here. Thanks for doing this, Fab. Dude, it's exciting. I think um I get the honor of hosting you to find out who you are to your beautiful audience. So we get to we get to jump in and talk about, you know, your life. Yep. Who is Chris Lamb? So Chris, I think what it's really important to know is that like, you know, you, your audience need to know this, that who you actually are, because I mean, what we, we see is who you are on social media and a lot of your friends intimately know how successful you've been, but I don't think they know that how you started out. And Mm -hmm. I think that's super important because a lot of the time when we see somebody very successful like you, charismatic like you, we automatically think that they were born with money, like a silver spoon in their mouth. But that was that wasn't the case with you at all, was it? Will you just tell us a little bit about your background, how you grew up, what your, what your childhood was like?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I grew up lower middle class. Um, my mom and my dad got divorced at a young age. We moved out here to California we lived in Lakehead and Lakehead's a small town just South of, uh, Shasta or yeah, Shasta Lake is right there by Shasta Lake, North of it. And we lived in a, one bedroom log cabin, my brothers and I, it was probably 800 square feet because we just didn't have a lot of money. You know, my mom is, was a very hard worker and we ended up, you know, she took great care of us, but in the beginning it was, it was rough. Now, when I say that, I will say that I I didn't realize that back then because Mm. we had a home and my mom did a great job, but I mean, we were, there was a Christmas one year where we couldn't even afford a Christmas tree. Mm. And so some people had found out, and brought a christmas tree to our home and then some family members brought a bucket with some rocks and put it in and, mm. and then my mom she painted christmas ornaments uh that she bought and they were nice they're super beautiful she was very good at it and she would sell them at her work to get money to buy us mm. presents well that year you know some people had said that there's a family here in lakehead that they're, you know, the kids aren't really getting a whole lot of presences here, which we didn't care. We were happy. But we ended up one day having someone show up at our house, and Merle Haggard bought my brother and I uh, a ton of presents for Christmas. Merle Haggard, yeah. the country singer? He did. How,
1: how did that happen?
0: Well, there was a lady in Lakehead who was really good friends with him, and she was good friends with my mom, and he was a major bass fisherman hmm. on Shasta Lake. And so you know, just shout out to Merle all these years later. I haven't forgotten that. And, you know, that's something that really inspired me at a young age Mm -hmm. that, that, you know, if you have something and you can do something for someone else, you should. So anyways, you know, skip forward a few years, uh, went to high school in Cottonwood, California. Mm -hmm. My mom worked her way up in an insurance job and my brothers and I, we got into a lot of trouble and we made a lot of pretty bad decisions and I won't get into all of it, but Let's just say that I got sober by the age of nineteen because wow. of some of, of those decisions. I, um, you know, had a pretty crazy life, uh, partying, and you know, I was a DJ for for a long time, traveling when I was in high school, and and I ended up getting into the mortgage business in two thousand one because. I really didn't love going to school. Mm -hmm. I I, I don't know if I had ADHD or or what, but it just, the way that you would sit there for hours and people just drill information, it was, drove me nuts. Right. And so there was a time that someone had told me, hey, you know, you can can go to work 12 to five and skip school and get credits and make money. And I was just like, well, why isn't everyone doing that? Mm -hmm. And so a friend of mine, uh, he had said, hey, you should go. Talk to my family, they own a mortgage company in town. And that was kind of my introduction into the mortgage industry. And so, got in the mortgage industry, started processing back then. Of course, back then it was a totally different world. You know, this is when some of the bad loans w- were being made that ultimately led to the 2008 financial crisis. Mm-hmm. And I saw all of that firsthand. And I saw a lot of people making very bad decisions, both people that were giving the loans, the government, the, the lending companies and the consumers and the people that were borrowing,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, taking out 100% equity with adjustable rate mortgages, stating income that they didn't have to buy boats and things they didn't need. Right. And I feel like that was such a gift for me because when it all came down and everyone started losing everything, I was young and I was, I was it left an impression to me. Mm-hmm. It was shortly after that I had gotten sober and, and started going on mission trips and getting you know, connected with men that had what I wanted in life, who were married a long time, who were honest and hardworking and had the same values I had, that I was introduced to a gentleman that I ended up working for. And he was the opposite of some of the first guys I had worked for. This was a guy who, he he had a mortgage company. He had all kinds of other businesses. And I, I helped him process some loans, but I also helped him with kind of managing some of his books. And he was Super frugal, multimillionaire before he was 30. You would have never Mm -hmm. known it if you met him. He always bought used cars. He would go straight to the, uh, you know, to the for sale or clearance aisle when he bought clothes. Wow. And he was buying manufactured homes, having them shipped here and put on little lots and selling Mm -hmm. them. And he was doing some incredible things. And I, he also worked incredibly hard. Mm -hmm. I mean, this guy, he was, he had more energy than anyone I ever met. He was super driven and always positive, And he just had a lot of resilience. It was like mm-hmm. a problem, a, a problem that would, you know, put anyone in a place where they'd be spun out. He would just rise above it, figure out how to fix it and just keep moving forward. And so he was a, a mentor of mine. And, you know, that guy ended up going on to start an international company. Wow. And I've had a lot of mentors along the way, you know, mm-hmm. growing up with no dad in the house. I just, I, I realized the value and I I didn't even know it until later in my life, but I just realized that I had learned that if you see someone who has what you want in life, you should spend time with them. Mm-hmm. And you should get to know what they did, how they got there, hear their story, ask them for help mm-hmm. if they're willing to give it, which a lot of people are.
1: Yeah. So so like you at twenty one, so you start this this new job as a, a mortgage advisor. How did you how did that translate to you becoming so fiscally savvy? like you mentioned mentors but like how long was it into your journey that you you realized that this obviously is going to be the career for you very successful as you are like what were the steps up to that point when did you realize you needed to, a mentor to teach you you know
0: a lot of people that are in real estate and mortgage lending they have helped dozens if not hundreds or thousands in my case of clients accumulate wealth and build positive cash flow or passive income mm-hmm. and yet they've never done it themselves. Right. And so there was this time where I realized these guys aren't brain surgeons like that are doing this. Like I can do this too, but it, even though I I saw every step of what they did, there was still this internal voice that said that is risky. That is scary. You can't do that. You don't have what it takes to do that. Mm. And so I started finding people that had done it and running my ideas by them. And they either said, that's a great idea. That's how I did it. Maybe you should think about doing it this way. Or they said, "Um, that's not a good idea. You shouldn't do that. Here's why. And when you do that long enough, you know, really what I'm trying to say is I asked a lot of questions. Mm -hmm. When you do that long enough, you start realizing that you do have what it takes because, you've pretty much asked all the questions. You've looked at everything. There is to look and it reduces the risk of those decisions. Right. Right. And then, so you make that decision to whatever it is, you know, whether it's buy a rental property, start investing into your first money market and then a 401k. And you know, the truth is it it wasn't that I was always that way. It was, it's been a process for me. Mm -hmm. And I think that's important that people know that because I ended up getting into a coaching group that I'm still part of today. I'm actually a coach for them today. About 13 years ago, and they coach business people that do what I do in real estate and a few other things. But what they do is their tagline is "Creating Millionaires since 2001," and they do it three different ways. They do it by helping you give a great experience to your client, but they also help you with your PL and your personal family budget mm. and At the time, there was a lot of business coaches that I I was looking at because I knew I needed to find someone to help me because no one really tells you how to run a business. Right. Even if you go to college, like when it comes to a lot of the day in and day out details of leadership or employees or, you know, HR issues in a state like California, like there's not a lot of people that know how to do those things. Mm -hmm. But the one thing that these guys did that I didn't see anyone else do is they actually held you accountable to how you spent your money. Mm. And I had some really bad money habits in my life. I spent money like it was going out of style. I wanted to impress people with having nice looking things. Mm-hmm. And and I knew from what I had done at, up to that point that this isn't going to get me to the place where I really want to be, but I don't know how to change this. Mm-hmm. And so this group, they make you do a personal family budget every month and
1: send it in and they review every line of every dollar you spent that month. And what's that like? Because I mean, it's kind of exposing, right? It's very exposing. Because you, you you know, you start making your first paycheck, you start like, you know, holes in your pocket, you're buying things. Um, How does, how does that make you feel when you start to realize you've made a few financial mistakes, you find a mentor, you get in this coaching group, now you're asked to do things that are probably very challenging to you personally, right? What, what, what made that shift in you?
0: You have to be sick and tired of being sick and tired. Mm. You have to be willing and realize that I don't want to live like this anymore. I think it also helps that you're around other people who are very honest and they tell you, listen, I did not end up here because I was a good person. Like mm-hmm. I made horrible decisions. In fact, mine were worse than yours. Wow. Let me tell you about them. And then you become inspired and you realize if they can do it, I can do it too. And I'm not alone. Right. I think it's really important. And it's one of the biggest challenges with money as a topic Mm -hmm. is that people just don't talk about it. And I think that's one of the problems is that there's shame around money. Mm -hmm. People are ashamed in how they spend it or how, you know, or their lack of knowledge. And if they just realize that we're all in the same boat, Mm -hmm. we may be further along on the journey, Mm -hmm. but- we all had to get to that place where we did not want to live like this anymore and we had we have to become willing to do something about it does that so what make
1: sense? It, so yeah it does so what does that look like so you you know before you may have had shame around the family budget when what what's it like when you first sent in that family budget and they looked at it and they scrutinized it was that was that how how did that make you feel did you did you have shame around it or were you like it's like aa for I don't know. I had finance people in finance.
0: Yeah, no, it was, it was the equivalent of saying, I'm Chris, I'm alcoholic for the first time, right? It took some courage, but right before I had sent it in fab, there was a guy who I really admired. I still do. His name's Jeremy and he's a loan officer in California. He's very, he's probably one of the top hundred in the nation and, you know, net worth probably he's very successful uh, beyond what most people would even imagine. At the time, he wasn't, he, but he was definitely doing way better than me. Mm-hmm. And I was kind of impressed with him. And, you know, he speaks on stage and he's kind of a famous dude. And so I had called him and I had talked to him about this decision. And I said, man, you're doing really well. And he said, no, I'm not. He said, when I got in, I was a mess. Wow. He said, I was driving fancy cars. I had one hundred and fifty thousand dollars in credit card debt. Wow, 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 wow! And my marriage was about to fall apart. And because of him saying that to me, I had the courage to show everything. It's like if he—if that's his story, what do I have to lose? Because I wasn't—you know—we all have our own version of what is shameful. Mm -hmm. But it really took the power of that shame away and gave me the courage to realize that this is strength sending Mm -hmm. this into these guys wow this is a good decision and this is what i need and it's what most people need they need the help of other people who are a little bit further ahead of them to help them understand they're not alone and they need to be accountable i think that's the the one thing that has changed my life the most and a lot of the people i know
1: so what are the benefits of having this family budget Then, obviously you you know where every dollar goes a lot of people might look at that and go, you know, having a family budget is a little bit restrictive. It's, you know, they feel kind of boxed in. Why do you think that is? You know, it's funny that you say that because
0: I thought that too, but the truth is that a family budget leads to freedom. Mm -hmm. And it's not even about putting yourself on a budget because when you get to the level that a lot of people I know are at where I'm at, it's not restrictive at all. I could buy whatever I want. Mm -hmm. Um, I live on a, a a pretty small percentage of my income, Mm -hmm. but you, you don't start there. Mm -hmm. You usually start there by just understanding the trends. Right. I think the the truth will set you free. Right. Right. And a lot of times we don't even know what we're spending. Mm -hmm. We don't even know. So just the, The process of getting it on paper, knowing what your survival number is every month. Like, what does it take to keep the lights on at home? Base necessities, nothing else. Mortgage or rent, cell phone, insurance, food, gas. What does it take to to keep the lights on? And then how much am I actually bringing in per month? Mm -hmm. Where is the rest of it going? If you do nothing else and you just did that, that information would change your life over a five year period dramatically. Mm -hmm. You would change just by knowing the truth, right? Right. Well, then once you start creating goals saying that, ideally, I would like to give 10% away or more, Mm -hmm. I would like to live on 30% of my income or less, Mm -hmm. and I would like to invest 20% of my income every month for the rest of my working years because I know that will put me in a position to be financially free, then you create a strategy to get there. And for some people it's learning to pay off debt, that snowball, whatever they want to use, right. a lot of ways to do that. For, for some people, it might be make learning to make more money, getting a different job, trying to get that promotion, a side hustle.
1: And for a lot of us, it's both. So you talk about budget and a lot of people are kind of fearful about budget because they mm-hmm. feel it's, it's it's restrictive. They feel like, you know, they, they they can't spend what they want to spend their money on. So what did a budget do for you?
0: Well, a budget leads to freedom is first and foremost what people need to know. Um, and it, it it isn't about restricting you. It's about giving you liberation. And you, when I started doing my budget, I learned what I needed to know right away. The truth will set you free, right? So a lot of people don't even realize how much it takes in there to keep the lights on. Right. We call this the survival number. How much does it cost to pay your housing expense? your gas, your food, your insurance, your cell phone bills. I mean, just the basics of life, no extra. How much is that every month? And how much do you actually bring home after taxes every month? Well, then you at least know where you're at. And then you can start figuring out like where's the rest of it going. Mm-hmm. If people just did that without committing to getting out of debt, saving a nickel, but they just did that every month for five years, that would change their life. Because they they know what's really going on. They're facing the truth every single month. That will change you because you will see it. It's no different than someone stepping on the scale every day. Right. You're not going to, You're. it's going to change you one way or the other. You're either going to stop stepping on the scale and avoid the mirror, or you're going to figure out how to get a trainer and go on a diet, right? Right, right. So the information is important first and foremost. Well, then from then you set some goals. And the goal that we use that we try to help people with is, uh, you know, 30, 30, 10, 20, you know, and this isn't perfect, but hear me out. 10% you give away, 30% you live on, 30% of the IRS, and you invest 20% a month. Mm-hmm. And so if that's the goal, and I can't do that right now because I have, I don't have enough income or I don't, have, or I have too much debt or a right. combination of both, then what is it going to take to get me there? Do I need to get more income? Do I need to reduce debts? Usually both. And I start the journey towards doing that mm. because I know from experience and from being around people that if I can do that, my life will be better. Mm-hmm. My marriage will be better. Right. My kids will have a better life. I will have less stress, which means I will be a better parent, a better friend, a better employee, a better coworker. Um, I'll sleep better at night. I It will improve the quality of my life if I learn to do those things. Mm-hmm. It wasn't ever about getting rich. It was about learning to have a balanced life mm-hmm. and money is a part of that. And so I think for people with a budget, they have to realize that what they think a budget is it's probably not that at all right it's probably the opposite of what they think it is yeah. it leads to freedom and it leads to the truth
1: and as well as well like you know you know you mentioned you became a, a believer it's it's a stewardship model right mm-hmm. cuz i think you know we talk about people with money i think one of the core values whether the a person of faith or not generosity is something that If you have a budget, it enables you to look at areas where you'd like to give and bless people. Because Mm -hmm. I think if you've been given money, the idea is you just don't accumulate it for yourself. You've been given it to bless others with, right?
0: Yes. Yeah. I mean, you see a lot of people who really make a mess out of their lives because they don't have a purpose when they get money. Right. Uh, We see it all the time, you know, and then- if you're lucky, you'll start seeing some people who have money and they change the world.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And it's super inspiring. Right. Because they're really fun people to be around. Mm-hmm. They're doing some great things. They're having fun. They're not stressed. They're playful. They seem like they have it all and they're not owned by their money. Right. They're not owned by their toys. It doesn't mean that having nice things, there's anything wrong with that. Those people probably have some nice things, but they're not owned by them. Right. And that is really the goal of financial freedom. It's seriously to be able to enjoy the life that you've been given Mm -hmm. in a way that most people never get to enjoy it because they've never known another way. You know, for example, when I got out of debt, I felt a feeling I'd never felt before. And I talked to one of my mentors and he said, most people don't know the stress and anxiety they carry from being in debt. Yeah because they've never, ever had it any other way, right? Right. Even when they were kids in their own household, they saw the stress on their parents Mm -hmm. because they were always having money problems. They felt the insecurity of going to school, wearing the knockoff shoes, seeing all these other kids with the nice things that seemingly had the better life, right? which we all know now that's not always the case, right? But back then that's very real for kids. And Mm -hmm. so even before they had money, they felt Mm -hmm. the effects of it based on how their parents lived and the belief systems their parents were, right. were instilling to them. And so most people don't
1: ever get out of that. You get into budgeting. You start to understand where your money's going, how to use money. When was the first time you had enough to kind of start to invest? How long into this process? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I bought my first house to live
0: in. Um, Right after, you know, right around the time the housing crash was starting. Wow, 2008? Yeah. Wow. And I still own that house today. I bought it for 190 um, You know, it dropped a lot, but, mm. but it always rented and I still own today. It's worth double what I paid for it. So, um, but I bought that house and then from there I started building up reserves in a money market account mm-hmm. just so that I, you know, had the emergency fund. From there I started doing a 401k. You know, cause the, the path that we follow, it's, it's very simple. And I have always found that simple is usually the, one of the better ways to do things. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we believe that getting out of debt, building up three to six months of reserves, and then starting to look at your pre-tax employer-based investments where mm-hmm. you can bring your taxable income down and just have it taken out of your check every month. Mm-hmm. And, and once you start maxing those things out, your income grows. And it's funny how when people start following their process, I haven't seen many people where they didn't come to me and say, it happens almost every week. Hey, I'm maxing out my 401k. I've bought in rentals. I'm making this much more money a month. What do I do with it now? It's mm-hmm. pretty amazing to see people encounter a cash flow problem right? where they have more cash than they know what to do with. Wow. You know, from there, you can you can go into investment real estate, which I believe in, and I know you mm-hmm. did too. Mm-hmm. Um, you can definitely get into the stock market. A lot of people are scared of the stock market, but listen, the stock market is not the roulette table. Mm-hmm. It's a long-term play, just like real estate is. Mm-hmm. And so if people dollar cost average and follow, you know, buying boring stocks that pay dividends that are blue chip companies that are ne- necessary like Walmart, Costco, mm-hmm. Forward and you do it over time. You're gonna you're going to do well, right? But the thing about investing is it's a long term gain game, and I think that a lot of people they go into it with a very short term mentality, and Mm -hmm. that's that's what bites them because they buy when everyone else is buying, and then things get scary and they sell, and now and then they say it didn't work. Right. Well, no, it did work. You just didn't follow the the strategy
1: right so for you for being fiscally prudent before you even invested did you build up that reserve fund of three to six months yeah, first i did or so you did that first just to basically secure yourself mm-hmm. and then with that you would invest in yep. stocks you diversify then i started maxing out my 401k
0: every year i still do and then i started buying residential real estate mm-hmm. um, you know i own farmland commercial buildings Single family homes, multifamily homes. Um, you know, anywhere where I felt like it was good cash flow in a good area, um, I, I bought it. I bought some things I probably shouldn't have, but I shouldn't have ever sold anything because I've always done well over time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, now investing is a big part of my life, right? Because once you start accumulating wealth, you have to learn how to protect it and you Mm -hmm. start, you got to start thinking about taxation and estate planning and, um, and that has been, honestly, in my business, that has been one of the differentiating factors between someone working with me and somebody else
1: mm-hmm.
0: is because of my experience. Most people that are coming to me, they're not coming to me to buy a house. Right. They're coming to me to create wealth and passive right. income. They don't even know that sometimes mm-hmm. until I start asking them questions. And and so, yeah, that those are the things that I focus on now. That's kind of how it started. I'm still in that game today. and. And it's, it's, a, it's a less emotional than it used to be. It was scary in the beginning. Right. Um, there was something about taking my money out of my bank account and putting it into this investment that seemed really, really risky. Right. And now I realize that keeping cash in the bank is also a risk. Right.
1: And so everything has risk. And so, it's- so, your kind of your risk um, profile then, you say it's, it's for the long term. right? Some people want to get rich quick for people. I mean, this is one of the reasons why you create money All podcast, right? You know, good people, good money. Wealthy isn't just about having a ton of money, right? It's your portfolio lifestyle, right? Mm -hmm. You know, I have a healthy family. I have healthy kids. I have healthy relationship with the Lord. I have healthy finances for you. When did you start to realize what, let me ask you this. What does risk look like for you and how do you approach risk when it comes to investing?
0: Um, risk for me, when I risk looks like trying to shortcut the system, Mm. outthink it or do something faster than what most people do. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a guy that I know that bought into Tesla when it was really low Mm -hmm. and we were on a call, one of our coaching calls, and he had made $7 million on one trade and he was bragging about it. And and our coach who has a hundred million dollars said to him, uh, he, I won't say his name, but he just said, Hey, I want you to know something that trade ruined you. And he said, why do you guys think that trade ruined him? And that may not be the truth, but right. he wanted to make a point. And we all said, well, because he's going to now try to repeat that. Right. It's no difference in going in and playing blackjack and hitting a winning hand mm-hmm, mm-hmm. on the first hand. The, they're going to, you know, the people that work there, I think they call them the pit bosses. They're going to come up and mm-hmm. congratulate you try to offer you a drink. If you win real big, they might even try to give you a hotel night stay. And the reason they do that is because they know that you are going to try to repeat that. Right. And so for me, risk has to do with a lot of it is me trying to be smarter than some of the, the old gray hair guys I know that do things that seem very boring to
1: me, mm-hmm. but I've come to learn that's probably the way I should be doing it right and the reason for the podcast and we've talked about it is so you can share your in effect your experience with people you bring your friends on you bring successful people on to talk about in effect creating some kind of life hack in some mm-hmm. ways you know not just hacks but like wisdom into getting into real estate mm-hmm. talk to them about you know fear false evidence appearing real right yeah it's it, it doesn't have to be that fearful so talk to me a little bit about your heart for the podcast and what you want to see happen through this.
0: You know, it all started for me when you, me and our friends were hanging out up in, up in Wyoming. Right. And you know, for, for those, for people that are watching, I mean, these are all leaders, pastors, businessmen who are, you know, godly men with great marriages, great lives. And we were just being big kids, and we were having a blast, and we were smoking cigars and teasing each other. It was like going back to the eighth grade. (laughs) It was. (laughs) And I I had this moment where I I thought to myself, this is not the picture that a lot of people in the world have Mm -hmm. when they think of Christian men. And I mean that in a very positive way, that these guys are not only living great lives and changing the world, and I mean that about you, Fab. Thank you. When I met you, you were creating... One of the most important movies that I've ever seen that still, Mm. still people talk about to this day. And I know you could have done a lot of other things in your life. Um, but they're also having a lot of fun, Mm -hmm. like a ton of fun. And I was like, and and people need to hear these conversations, right? know, they need to hear the struggle Mm -hmm. because it's real Mm -hmm. and they're not alone. And they need to hear the tactics Mm -hmm. on how they can make change in their life, whether it's parenting, their marriage, um, their money, their friendships, you know, there's a lot of people that don't even have friends. I mm-hmm. talk to people every day. They don't even know what a real friend is, right? right. And so when I think of whole, this holistic approach to life, is you, we see people every day who have, they have a you know, $100 million body and they have a late payment on their expensive car out the door. Mm-hmm. Or they have all the money in the world, but they're divorced for the third time and yeah. their kids don't know them. And so I never wanted that. I always realized, man, I want it all in life. I want to have a great marriage.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I want to have kids that I that love me and that I'm doing my best to raise. I want to have great friendships. And money is certainly a part of wholeness. Mm-hmm. And when I grew up in the church, there was a belief system for a time that money was bad. Mm-hmm. And I had to get rid of that belief system and start really understanding the power in currency and how it can not only improve my life, but improve the peoples around me. So that was kind of the heart behind it is that just have some fun conversations with people that I care about um, and to help people understand, you know, what having it all really means and what it doesn't mean. And that there's a path to getting there and oftentimes a lot of failure and mm-hmm. that that's okay. And, and like I said early on, I don't think there's enough
1: people talking about money, especially in the church. Mm-hmm. It's funny. Why do you, why do you think there is such a, Why do you think there is such um, a negative mindset around money? Why do you think in so many households, we were brought up that money is bad? I mean, I know like money hole is, it's the holistic approach to finance. It's not just about finance. It's about, as you said, it's about having good friends, good community, because without community, you know, who are we? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I mean, money does bring freedom but I don't think I would want money if I didn't have the community around us, because I feel that's where we get our accountability. It's where we can be open with people. We can share our struggles. As you said, it's a holistic approach Mm -hmm. to it. So, you know, let me go back. That question that I asked you, why is it about the church? Yeah. So, so tell me in general, yeah. What is it about the church? And maybe it's not just in the four walls of the church. Maybe it's, Generally, people have a bad relationship with money. Why is that?
0: I think it's general. Um, You see it in the church too. And I think in the church is a place where you would maybe expect something different Mm -hmm. um, because people are there to get free. And this is certainly a place of bondage for most people, whether they're poverty mindset Mm -hmm. or they have a lot of money and it's it's owning them. Um, You know, being in recovery for 19 years, AA meetings and um, Christian men's recovery groups I've learned the power of vulnerability and transparency mm. on, on a level, you know, and, and when people start talking about the real stuff in their life, that's when they get the breakthrough. That's also when they help other people to talk about it. And so the unique thing about that coaching group that I'm a part of, the core, is we're a very transparent community. Whether you have $100 million, $5 million, you're just getting started. People there do not see themselves as any better than you. They just have been doing following the process longer. Yeah. I mean, I've been doing it long enough now where I've seen so many people that come in and follow the process. And don't think about it. But, you know, when you work hard, you take good care of people. You're generous. Like there are certain things that are going to happen. It's just the way the world works. Right. And I think that a lot of people have so much emotion around money, mm-hmm. whether it's shame, pride, guilt, whatever those emotions are, they blind them to seeing the value in asking for help, Mm -hmm. asking for advice or sharing their advice with someone else. Because when a lot of people who have money, they're afraid that if they talk about it with their friends, their friends will treat them different. In many cases that can be the truth. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's emotion, man. I think Mm -hmm. people just have all kinds of twisted up ideas about what it means if someone has it or doesn't have it or, if they only knew what I had, they would think different of me. And mm-hmm. and I think when people can get free of that mindset and become, you know, really know what, who they are as a yeah, human yeah. being, their identity, mm-hmm. then it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. And in that space,
1: you can start having some real conversations that really help. Yeah. I love you, Chris. I think you, um, this is going to so exciting for your audience because I think they get to see somebody who, you know, bought up without any money, went through cancer, adopted three kids, has become very successful, just not just in your community, but in, in, in a greater scale. And I think what I love about you is how you're a very hard worker, but you're so giving, you're so generous. I don't even know people know half of who you are just by doing this and on social media, but you give to so many Worthwhile courses that change so many people's lives. And I think, you know, the more and more episodes we do and people get to see who you truly are, I think that's, that's the goal in this because you are living the holistic lifestyle of what you preach. You know what I mean? You're not somebody that just is doing a podcast for influence. You do the thing that you do is because you believe in investing in people. Thank you. And it's because you, you want to see people grow. You want to, I think you went, well, you want to impart what you went through, Mm -hmm. as hard as it was to see people actually encounter this freedom. And it's not just in money, it's in their relationship with the Lord. It's people being free of addiction. And I think the reason why it's so important that people hear this is because it can be done. Like, as you said, if you follow the process, if you follow the laws that, the Lord has put in place through mm-hmm. generosity, through, through saving, through investing. I think that makes for a wealthy life. Yes. You know, yes. and I I just want to thank you for doing this. I think it's really important for anybody watching this. You need a like, and you need to subscribe. You need to leave him a comment because Chris is going to be a person that absolutely changes your life. We need to hear about this because there's so much shame attached to money and, you know, us being held accountable. And Chris is a person that can coach you through any of these areas in your life that you need healing in because there is no shame all we have to do is step over fear, false evidence appearing real, so that we can enter into the fullness of what life has to bring, of what God has to bring for you. And it's important that when you find out who you are, what you do is a byproduct yes. of what He's given within you. Mm-hmm. So, Chris, thank you, dude, thank you. for letting me Appreciate interview that. you. Thank you for letting me um, expose a little bit of your heart so that your audience can see why you're doing this and the fact that the lifestyle that you've created. As a father, as a husband, as 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 an entrepreneur, that people can follow in your steps and go, it's not out of my reach. I'm not necessarily any more uh, different than Chris's. You're a normal guy that just put the process into plan, and you've achieved this success. So Thank listen, you. appreciate it. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and leave Chris a five star comment because this podcast will change your life. Oh,